Welcome to Wormhole Waffles, a Stargate podcast. Welcome to Wormhole Waffles. I'm your host, Chelsea, and with me is my co-host, Arzu. Hello. So last week we talked about episodes three and four, some fun adventures where SG-1 learned that you can't always trust strangers. And today we'll be talking about episodes five and six, Need and Thor's Chariot. Need premiered on July 24th, 1998, was written by Robert C. Cooper and Damian Kindler and directed by David Worry Smith. Thor's Chariot premiered on July 31st, 1998, was written by Catherine Powers and directed by William Garrity. Arzu is probably really angry at Need, I'm guessing, but I think Thor's Chariot is a good chaser. Arzu, would you please give us a quick summary? So Need is the episode that proves my thesis about Daniel Jackson in 40 minutes. Um, I have a lot of thoughts about that, but they basically end up on a planet where Daniel saves a pretty lady from jumping off a cliff and this pretty lady immediately falls in love with him and Daniel's like, sure, why not? I'm grossly oversimplifying, but um basically the rest of sg1 is like forced to work in a mine while daniel gets to live with his princess and they eventually drag him kicking and screaming back to sg1 um that's that episode i'm gonna get Mm -hmm. into that i have so many thoughts on this one um (laughs) thor's chariot's a follow-up on thor's hammer they go back to that planet whose name is samaria samaria they go back to samaria the gold are there thor is there Mm-hmm. I was telling Chelsea this one was a little fuzzy for me because I didn't remember Thor's hammer as well as I thought I did. Mm-hmm. So we were going there and I was like, it's going to come to me as we go. But yeah, yeah. You'll be essentially, fine. they're there. They are helping once again and then they leave yeah. once again. And there's yeah, a blue yeah. alien. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was a terrible summary. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's there's a ghoul, then there's Thor. You know, and it, you know, it's that's the it's, basics. It is what it is. <laughs> yeah. okay let's start with our quote reveal last week i gave you the quote she wants me to marry her and your guess was that daniel is speaking to the rest of sg1 and there's a local woman speaking a foreign language that only daniel can interpret so he's relaying what she's saying to the others and is befuddled at her wanting to marry him you were really 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 close do you know where i was off just the context like specifically i gave daniel jackson way too much credit (laughs) i've been told i've gotten some feedback that i might be a little overly harsh on daniel um i think what need proves is i'm not harsh enough (laughs) this one is kind of bad (laughs) because okay i mean we'll get there but the point is i gave daniel way too much credit Mm mm-hmm between the torment of tantalus and this one like daniel is not looking like a great husband daniel's not a great husband yeah it's like out of sight out of mind yeah let's start at the top when uh he saves her from killing herself which i think we should probably put content warnings for at the bottom so check the show notes if you don't want to hear about it so she tries to jump off a cliff Daniel stops her. This is great. I'm glad Daniel is realizing that you can stop people from harming themselves. But he was the only one that was going to stop her. He was the only one that was going to stop her. Yeah. But I also think, I don't think SG-1 has learned this lesson, broadly speaking, because right before Daniel runs out from behind the tree to save her, the, the camera like shifts so it's like from his POV watching her. And it's playing this like trilling, whooshy romantic music mm. because she's pretty. Yeah. And like we, the viewer, are meant to interpret this as like Daniel thinking that. Right. Because it's like his point of view. So I'm like, he would not have run out there if he didn't think she was pretty. He would have <laughs> just been like, we don't interfere. Because, you know, this is not the first time Daniel's seen a woman in distress, but this is the first time he's decided to do something about it. Right, yeah, because I'm thinking back to the Burger Divide episode where they saw a woman being raped. And it's like, well, like, it's not our job. And, like, I'd like yeah. to give him credit, but we saw what happens when I do that. So, mm. Yeah, I mean, it's not, I mean, it's impossible to say if he would have done that for anybody else or not. But, I mean, I am disappointed that he was the only one to try to step in. Like, was nobody else going to try to stop her from 
jumping off that cliff like maybe they couldn't see because he was like the closest to the front i don't know i don't know i'm telling you none of the team has learned the lesson and honestly i think that would have been like i'm not sure that fall even would have killed her it didn't really look particularly it was high. like one story at most yeah so she probably would have just hurt herself but still like the time I was a very dramatic five year old and wanted to break my arm for attention. So I like booped it with a frying pan because I didn't think I could do anything else. <laughs> like it's not it's not as painful as you think it is. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I, I feel like it's more a sign of like how she wants things to be different on her planet, which is good. That's good. I don't hmm. I don't know how she planned on achieving that. Yeah. Because even by the end, that's not super clear. Yeah. I get the idea of her wanting more agency because the next time we see her with her dad, she makes that pretty clear right away. Yeah. But. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, Daniel's an (laughs) awful husband. Yeah. Well, she immediately like makes eyes with him. Well, sure. He's cute. Yeah. But no, I'm married is a sentence that does exist and should be employed. Yeah, he did not use that. No. At all. He nope. didn't mention that at all. Nope. I don't think anybody actually mentioned sure. No, wait, somebody did right at the end. Yeah, I think was it Sam? Like right, said, right at the end of the episode. He was like, you have a wife. <laughs> when he like walks in with his, um, what I was calling his douchebag Daniel hair. Um, <laughs> Because he's had that hair before when he's being a douchebag. Um, <laughs> so he walked in with his douchebag Daniel hair and he's like, we're getting married. I'm in love. Have you guys tried the sarcophagus? And I'm like, whoa. Okay, Daniel on some good drugs. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, this is a good time. I know SG-1 doesn't really care because they're all trapped working in the Nakoda mine. But I'm like, this is a good time to remind him he has a wife. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. This is like a larger SG-1 issue. I don't know. Maybe this is the time for it. But I think the biggest mistake they made was not killing Shire. And I'm not an advocate of fridging, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. But it feels like they didn't want to fridge her, but are acting like they have anyway. What do you mean by fridging exactly? When you, when you kill a woman to motivate a man. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, I think it comes from, like, detective novels, like, finding the wife in the fridge or whatever. Okay. Because it happens a lot, and it's awful, and I hate it. But if they had killed her, and his motivation was then tracking down the people who did and getting his revenge, mm-hmm. you can do all of this, and Daniel actually looks like a great husband, because he's on the mission right. to, to the end of just finding and stopping Apophis. Right. And that's it. But because Sheree is still alive... I know he can't constantly be talking about her, but every moment like this where it's appropriate to remember he has a wife and he doesn't makes him look like a really bad husband. Yeah, definitely. And then at one point, like, I get that this is supposed to be like a drug thing in the sarcophagus. Mm -hmm. But part of me, maybe it's just me, like, not giving Daniel any credit anymore after what happened with the quote. But part of me is like drugs and alcohol and stuff like that, like, don't radically alter you as a person. They just enhance what's already there. Mm. So I'm like, how much of this douchebag Daniel behavior was there already? Like, him, like, how long am I supposed to wait for my wife and just moving? I'm like, how much of this is already in there? Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of coming out to the surface. I told well, you I mean, how to about this one. <laughs> I mean, we, we've seen little tidbits of that before, like in the episode with Jolinar. Um, him telling that woman in the hospital, you know, I had, you know, my wife like was taken by, or I had a wife or something. It was past tense. tense. Yeah. So we've seen little snippets here and there that suggests that he doesn't think he's ever going to get her back. And like, even in the, the last Thor episode and Thor's hammer, when he destroys the hammer, that's like, you know, destroying one viable method of getting her back. So it's like the the longer it goes, the less hope he has. I think if this is a point he's hit where he genuinely doesn't think he's getting her back, then he needs to 
have that moment of acknowledging that. Yeah. Of really acknowledging the loss. Yeah. Yeah. Life. It's just sad. Yeah. Yeah. And it does make sad him look what like a bad, bad husband. husband. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, I think in general, I don't think he's a bad person and he's normally like very empathetic and, you know, one of the more like emotional ones on the team. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, the way that they've written it makes him <laughs> seem like not a great person and bad husband. Yeah. But yeah, that girl obviously, what Shia obviously has not met very many dudes. I don't blame her in the least. Daniel is <laughs> yeah. cute. He's there. He's heroic. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I do feel kind of bad for her because it's, I mean, I'm assuming that she doesn't really have any peers because it's like her and her father are the rulers and then they have their in-house servants and then they have all the people in the mines. So yeah. she doesn't, she probably doesn't really have any friends. I don't think so. She's got nobody to talk to. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad. Like, I don't blame her for any of this. Yeah. And it makes me wonder who her mother was, too. Because if she really is, like, in her 20s or 30s, I would think that her mother wouldn't be that old. But we never see her. Makes me wonder if it was, like, some sort of concubine deal. Right, yeah. I mean... If she really is 20 to 30 years old and her dad is 700, then her dad got some woman pregnant when he was like 680. Okay, but he's like an immortal being. (laughs) That, of all things, really doesn't bother me because I'm also the person who watches Shadow and Bone and looks at like 25-year-old Alina and like 1,000-year-old Darkling. And I'm like, you know what? (laughs) I like this. So... Yeah, but he does not look like the Darkling. (laughs) No, he doesn't look like the Darkling, but he doesn't look 700 years old either. (laughs) That's true. Like, you know, looks like a 60-year-old man. That's true. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Yeah, if he was like a withered husk of a (laughs) 600-year-old, like, no. But... (laughs) Oh, my goodness. There was a very cute moment. Um, when they were trying to get them all to like kneel for the princess or whatever and Jack's like no I have an ACL thing (laughs) it's not the ACL thing it's the look Sam gives him (laughs) was just and then I realized she makes that face a lot (laughs) where like I can't say it language wise here yeah but just this look she gives them which is just like if, if there were four Sams on this team None of this would be happening. Oh, no, of course not. <laughs> it's just it's like one of those little moments I like. Yeah. She does have really good facial expressions. Very expressive face. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess I don't really blame Shyla for like attaching herself to Daniel so much in general because she hasn't really had an opportunity to find a husband at this point. But she is consciously manipulating him because she's yes. forcing him to go in the sarcophagus knowing what it's going to do to his mind and knowing that he's going to be addicted to it. So that's not a good look. Yes, that in that I agree. I don't I don't blame her for falling in love with him, but I do blame her for being like no, it's fine. Mhm. Also, I need to know when Daniel comes out of the sarcophagus the first time he's wearing his royal robes, like who changes his clothes? I think it was implied that she did. Okay, so that's not okay. <laughs> Once mean, again, bodily autonomy is yep is a laughing matter to these people. Yep. Uh, damn. Like, like this is this is one of those things where I think the bodily autonomy. I mean, mm-hmm. is one of those things that I think we have to chalk up to the time mm. because. Male bodily autonomy, especially, yeah, is still not a thing that's respected in media very much. Yeah, that's true. Like 2021 was a real bad year for that. Mm-hmm. Or 2020. I don't know. What year did Bridgerton come out? Was that 2020? Yeah, it was Christmas 2020. Yeah, yeah. So 2020, between Bridgerton and Wonder Woman, was not a good year mm. for male bodily autonomy. Right, yeah. And that was only two years ago. Yeah. So... 
Yeah, I mean, I think at this point in time, people would have been like, you know, a gorgeous woman changing the clothes of a dude. Like, he has to be happy about that yeah, kind no, of no, idea. No, I wish that was me, like that kind yeah. of yeah. yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I have lots of um, all caps <laughs> screaming in my notes <laughs> and comments like, oh my God, Arzu's going to hate this. <laughs> But you seem to say that you liked the episode in general. I liked it because my rage sustained me. Oh, okay. It like kept me invested. <laughs> like, how is this going to get worse? Oh my God. Well, and you said you like liked the sets. Yes, I do. Uh, this is like a general thing about Stargate is I really like their kind of, in my head, it's like the ancient mythical kingdom sets. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of sliding, moving parts and uh-huh. doors that open on their own. And it's cute because if you look, you can see the hinges. And yeah, I don't know. I just think they're very creative in a way that like sets now really aren't. Right. Well, they had to be more have more physical effects. Yeah, like there's a lot you can uh, CG right now that they just couldn't back then. Yeah. It just makes the set more interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. In the next episode, I did notice how. A lot of trees seem to be made of rubber. (laughs) That's like the the hilarious contrast of Stargate is, you know, you'll have some episodes where it's this massive temple set with doors that open on their own and Mm -hmm. sarcophagi and all this kind of stuff. And then you have a forest in Vancouver. Yeah. It was so funny when Shiloh was like, look at these. We call them trees. And he's like, yeah. (laughs) Also, okay. So... When, um, like, I get that her father is lying to her. Yeah. When he's like, oh, these are a vengeful God sent them to read our minds. Or like, I get he's lying. But I'm like, why is the go-to always they are a vengeful God? They're from another, like, whatever realm. I'm like, you speak the same language. You look the same. You're all human. I'm like, why are they not from the other side of the planet? Why is that never the assumption? Well... I mean, I get, I mean, in general, like having the vengeful God thing comes from like them only knowing Gwold who are evil, but yeah, but they have more in common with them than they do with the Gwold. Well, most of the time when they're going to other planets, people know that they came through the Stargate, but these people don't. Uh, I mean, they, they say we're from another world. Yeah. But they didn't see them come. Hmm. Like, I, I tell somebody here I'm from another world, their assumption is not that that's true. Right. Well, I mean, I guess in this context, they have a Stargate, they know what it is, they know how to use it, unlike most of the other people that we've seen. So for them, I guess it would be a natural... And, like, they are living in fear that the gold will come back. Yeah. So he's he might actually like genuinely be concerned that they work for another gold who's going to come and take over the mines on their planet. I guess so. Okay, fair enough. I thought it was having the Star Wars problem of like everybody thinking that the entire planet is one ecosystem. Not in this case. In other no. cases, absolutely. But <laughs> in this case, I don't think so. But I am like really curious like because they're still sending the Naquita through the Stargate and I'm like where exactly are you sending it to and is there somebody on the other side who's actually collecting it or is it just like piling up at the other side of this Stargate you're sending it to I have so many questions <laughs> are we ever going to get the answer no okay then <laughs> I just I just want to know where are you sending it to and more specifically, can SG-1 go get it? Yeah. Because if it's just like piled up at this random Stargate. Maybe they are sending it somewhere where it's like, I would like to think they're sending it somewhere where they're like quietly using it to better their society. <laughs> and like not for well, weapons or anything malicious. It's just. I would assume that they're sending it to the same place they always did, except that that gold isn't alive anymore. So... I, either it's abandoned or it was taken over by a different gold in which case I almost wonder if it was taken over if this 
new Gwawold is like, I don't know where this Nequit is coming from, but I'm grateful. <laughs> Where's that fan fiction? Where like this new Gwawold is like, I don't know where this is coming from. I'm grateful. And all the people living there are just with their Gwawold are just forming this harmonious society that just kind of stays under the radar and we never find out about them. And they're just the happiest people in the galaxy. Except then the shipments stop. Okay, well, got me there. Well, there that's the that's the plot twist of the fanfic. Like <laughs> the shipments stop. They still need more Naquita. Where are they gonna get it from? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we could write that story. I could. I feel like I don't know enough about Stargate to write fanfiction. <laughs> well, maybe I'll write it and you can be my beta reader. Okay. If I were to write Stargate fanfic, it would be very self-contained, probably be on base. Yeah. Sam, Sam and Jack. Jack. <laughs> That's it. Like, we're not going anywhere because <laughs> I don't know enough about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Or even just, you know, Jack's cabin. Oh, yeah. That's better. Yeah. But if they're on base, then there's like the, the chance that they'll get caught. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Adds a little spice to the proceedings. There's cameras in most of the base. Exactly. <laughs> How do we get around the cameras? Are there blind spots? Do we cover it? Somebody sneaking like yeah. Teal'c is out there erasing data. Because <laughs> I don't know. He's a, he's a good friend. He covers he's for them. He's a good them. friend. He came in clutch. Yeah. Totally. I did like Sam trying to express how she feels about I forgot the name of the gold that was like in her. Oh, Jolinar? Jolinar. She was trying to express how she feels since Jolinar and she's like, ever since then I get a funny feeling around Teal. <laughs> and like Jack's like, so do I. I'm like, stop, I wanna unpack <laughs> this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a funny line. Yeah. Just make a little fic out of that right there. I mean, listen. <laughs> oh, I did notice that when Jack was trying to talk Daniel down, when Daniel was having his freak out at the SGC, mm-hmm. that he was like, I know what it's like. So it makes me wonder if maybe after Charlie died, that Jack like turned to alcohol as a coping mechanism and like had to get over his alcoholism or something. Is and that that's not what, what, is that not what happened in the movie? I don't Am know. I, up? I feel like it's like hinted at, but not like overtly said because I mean, even as the show goes on, we'll see that he still drinks beer. Hmm. So I don't know if it like became Maybe he turned to something else. Yeah. But then usually, I don't know this for sure, but I always get the impression that when somebody goes sober, it's like sober, sober. Yeah, exactly. Like if you keep drinking beer, you'd be tempted to like drink something heavier. Maybe he turned to like other unhealthy coping mechanisms that not necessarily um, substance. Yeah. 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 I guess it just made me wonder what exactly he meant by that because it seemed like he understood the physical effects of what Daniel was going through. Yeah, like the the loss and the withdrawal and the... Yeah. That was actually a really sweet moment. Um, yeah. When Jack, like, not Jack, when Daniel was having his breakdown and Jack just gave him a hug. Yeah. We love it. We love supportive male friendships on TV. I feel like they could have really expanded that scene, though. It was 1998. Yeah. Fact that two men hugged it all. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I felt like they could have given us a lot more, like a little bit more context for what Jack meant, but also just like more bonding between them it would have been really nice. Yeah. I was mostly just like uh really nervous during their kind of tussle in that storage room because there was broken glass all over the floor and Daniel had bare feet. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> Please don't step on the glass. Magic. <laughs> I mean, by the time this comes out, it's not a spoiler anymore. It's like the end of Glass Onion. Mm-hmm. 
when there's glass all over the place and everyone's oh, got yeah. sandals on. And I'm like, all right, some magic yeah. glass right there. She's like running across this floor covered in glass and sandals. I'm like, I don't understand how you're not slipping for one thing. I also don't understand how you haven't gotten glass on your feet yet. Yeah. It's the same yeah. glass that they have at the SGC. Okay. Magical glass that Magical doesn't glass. actually cut you. Yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> there you go. Problem solved. Okay. Is there anything else in this episode that you want to talk about? Are we meant to understand that the drug effect kicked in like right away, like the first time he was in the sarcophagus? I feel like it's gradual, but he had already used a sarcophagus a couple of times before this episode. And so if he's like already used it three times, then a fourth time, you know, it's like a cumulative effect. Okay. Because when he goes to see them in the mine and they're like, and Jack's like, what's with the dress? And he's like, oh, they're royal robes. He like had this smile on his face. Mm hmm. And you look way too happy about this. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think the effects are enjoying really quickly. It. Yeah. I don't think it would have been as strong an effect if it had been like Sam, because she's never been in one before. So if she got in into sarcophagus once, like it would be fine. Mm-hmm. But since it was like his third time and then Charlie convinced him to do a fourth time, then yeah. Yeah. So it's it ended up being a good thing that the sarcophagus from Hathor got destroyed because that's definitely not something that the SGC needs to be using on a regular basis for their personnel. Yeah, especially now now that they know how dangerous it is. Yeah. It's definitely a good call. Oh, I do really appreciate your last note for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So my note says, how long am I supposed to wait? Daniel, you don't have to wait at all to catch these hands. Yeah. <laughs> I just it's such a whiny moment of like my wife is gone. How long am I supposed to wait? Forever. Uh-huh. Forever. <laughs> Until you find out if she's still alive or not. If you find out she's not alive, my condolences. You heal and then you can move on. If you yeah. don't know that and have not been given reason to believe that. Yeah. Then what the hell, man? For some reason, I just, this reminds me of, I saw this, like, Reddit post that somebody shared on Twitter that was, like, this guy who was, like, my my wife has cancer and I'm really sympathetic, blah, 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 but she's but. probably, you know, not going to live that much longer and I'm, like, already thinking about who I could start dating after she dies and I'm, like, oh, my God. <laughs> What the what? What are men? So this kind of reminds me of that in terms of not as bad, but still like Daniel being like, how long am I supposed to wait and, you know, to consider my wife to be dead? And it's like, well, actually, you pretty much know that she's not dead. It's just a matter of whether or not you can get her back alive and without a ghoul. So some people simply do not deserve rights daniel's one of them (laughs) which it i just find it so funny that like i'm seeing so many problems with daniel now when he's like my favorite sg1 character (laughs) okay he can be your problematic fave yeah that's true he's he's still my danny boy (sighs) oh daniel it gets better it gets better okay (laughs) he's still genuinely a good person okay (laughs) i haven't seen i have not seen anything to indicate that since the movie (laughs) but he's like nice and empathetic in general to other people just not really about his wife that's the thing if you're not nice and empathetic where it counts i don't care how nice and empathetic you are in general Mm. damn it daniel he does better in the next episode. He gets to be smarty pants. Fine. <laughs> okay. So if we're, are we moving to the next episode? Yeah. I need to give a disclaimer. Okay. That I had a bit of a mental disconnect mm-hmm. with this one. Because as Chelsea knows, because I texted her about it a lot. Just prior to recording, 
the week prior to recording. I binged the series Vikings Valhalla twice in a row. <laughs> so I had something going on in my head. So by the time we get to this, also intended for them to be Norse warriors. Mm-hmm. Huge disconnect. <laughs> Just aesthetically. Um, Disappointing. Well, I feel a little less like they're fighting for Thor and more like I need to ask where they were on January 6th. <laughs> like that was the vibe I was getting. So, yeah. So I had a bit of a disconnect. I'm like, right. Norse warriors. Norse warriors. It was fine with the lady. Garwin. The lady I like. Yeah, she's cool. Yeah. She's more like the guys who work for her. Yeah. Where I'm like, I don't know why you're wearing a bandana. It's not very Viking of you. Um, <laughs> nor am I sure they were supposed to be Vikings, by the, by the way. That might just be my brain. But, um, mm, I mean, Gerwin, yeah. Is that how you say your name? What? Gerwin? Gerwin, Gerwin? yeah. Gerwin. Gerwin. Okay. They're supposed to be descended from Vikings. So, yeah. Anyway, and she actually uses the term in, in the Thor's Hammer episode, Garwin uses the term they're gone a Viking. You remember? No. No. And so like what well, you so Daniel explains that it used to be a term like gone a Viking used to mean like to go hunting or fishing oh. or something like that. And she's like, Yes, but now it just means to go look for work in the towns. Okay. I didn't catch that the first time, but that's super cool to know now. <laughs> yeah. Especially given the context of my brand new TV obsession. So, um, <laughs> anyway, very disappointed that Thor isn't hot. <laughs> so he had a blue light on him, but he is actually gray. Okay, just FYI, because you call them blue. Change things. Well, you normally like blue aliens. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be clear. So when I talk about blue aliens, I'm usually talking about like Martian Rowe or Ice Planet Barbarians, not yes. Area 51. Hey, you don't know. That's true. I don't, but I can make an educated guess. Yeah. Especially because the Asgard don't wear clothes, so you can see the entirety of their bodily structure very what easily. Looks like. He looks like, did you ever have those things as a kid? They were like sticky things that you threw on the wall uh-huh. and yeah. they would like climb down the wall. Yeah, yeah. He looks like one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he just looks like a Roswell alien, which is what they modeled him after. I know, but he was like really squishy looking. <laughs> so I wanted to throw him at the wall and see if it would stick. Oh, dear. You want to uh, know a fun fact about dear Mr. Thor? I love fun facts. He is voiced by Michael Shanks. Hmm. Yeah. The so majority. Maybe it's you who likes the blue aliens this time around. Right. <laughs> we do meet some other Asgard later on, and occasionally they're voiced by other people, but a lot of them are voiced by Michael Shanks. Oh, um, okay. I was going to ask if, like, the choice to have him voice him in this episode was, like, some sort of commentary. I don't think so. Okay. It's just I don't think so. Available to do. I didn't know that until i was well into my adulthood because i did not recognize that it was his voice okay i think there's a few other characters that he voices i need to go look up what they were because i feel like i found one recently it was like oh i didn't realize he voiced that okay so it's like a it's just a michael shanks is a voice actor let's just get him to do this kind of thing yeah like Gimli doing uh Gimli like jonathan reese davis voicing Gimli <laughs> and treebeard yeah yeah playing Gimli. Oh wait, he voiced Treebeard? I don't Chelsea. think I knew that. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> was I supposed to know that? I mean, it was in the appendix, like the the bonus features on the DVD. Okay. I don't know how I was supposed to know that, but... Because it was cool. in the bonus features on the DVD. Well, I don't think I've seen that. <gasps> That's like as instrumental a film as the movie itself. Oh, okay. Okay, I'm next sorry. time you visit. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I, I do feel like I'm not a proper Lord of the Rings nerd because I've only seen the extended director's edition or whatever of Return of the King and not the other two. So guess what we're doing the next time you visit. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like I with bonus features. I've been kind of like 
horrified by the mouth guy. And I'm like, if there's more stuff like the mouth guy, then I'm not sure I want it. What's the mouth guy? Like the mouth of Sauron? Or is the guy who's like black? Oh, yeah, and he yeah, looks yeah. like an alien there and he has this big scary mouth. He's That's just freaky. in Return of the King. Yeah, I didn't like that. I did not enjoy that. Yeah, he's just in Return of the King. Okay. Okay, we got off topic. I'm sorry. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, I think Daniel, I feel like Daniel also voices one of the Unos eventually that we get to see because we see Unos again. I think it might be one of them. I'll have to double check that. Cool. Yeah, so Roswell Aliens. We are going to hear more about how the Asgard have visited Earth in the past. So look that's what they that. mean, though, right? Like Roswell. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. And like people having sightings of the Roswell aliens and stuff. Okay. So we're gonna find out about that. But yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. I thought it was just like really fun. Definitely like, it had... less stressful than the last one. Oh yeah, and it, I mean it had a callback to the movie because in the Stargate movie. Uh, Ra was using Horus guards as his personal guard, which are actually Herur's guards because Herur was working for Ra. So now that Ra is dead, you know, Apophis was able to come up in power and also Herur is coming up in power and stuff like that. So it was really cool to see like the same style guards um, as the movie because we don't necessarily get a whole lot of callbacks to the movie. Which is a shame. Um, It's great. And um, I really liked the puzzle solving. That was really fun. Sam actually got to help a little bit. <laughs> I feel like sometimes she's like shunted to the side on these things. I'm like, okay, well, she's actually able to do some stuff. Because she's a girl. Yeah. And like Jack and Teal'c getting help from, what's his name, Olaf? Don't, don't ask me. I'm pretty sure it was Olaf. I almost said yes, and then I remembered that Olaf is somebody from Vikings Valhalla. So I'm like, I can't reliably say that yes, that'll stop <laughs> Yeah, his his uh, axe skills were really impressive. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, in general, I this is one of my favorite episodes. Probably going to go on my top three list for this season. Interesting. Because it's just, it's just fun. It's I like, mean, that's as good a reason as any. Yeah. It's like low stress, you know, just fun to watch. And it's, I mean, it's going, it kind of like is, you know, furthering our knowledge about the Asgard, who we're going to continue to learn more about. So, yeah. That'll be fun. Yeah. Oh, you talked about, you have a note about how Sam has fancy power. Oh, it was when she put the, <laughs> the hand device. Thing on the hand device. I thought yeah. that was cool. That yeah, Sam that was really that. cool. Usually, um, I almost called him Michael. Usually, Daniel gets <laughs> to do that stuff. The cool stuff, yeah. Yeah, like usually it's mm-hmm. him, and then Teal'c will have his broody moments with like the mm-hmm. knowledge, and then mm-hmm. Jack will have a quip and a gun, and mm-hmm. Sam is just like, oh, I'm also here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so we'll see if she learns how to use those devices later. I like I like that Sam is getting a lot of development this season, like with Jolinar yes. and now with these powers. Like, mm-hmm. like, good for her. Good for you, girl. Yes, absolutely. I was really sad that we didn't get to see Kendra. I'm like, was there a specific reason why she had to die? Like, was the Too actress not women. available? Yeah. <laughs> this was written by Catherine Powers, so I mean, you never know. <laughs> Catherine Powers is like three women. On my watch, I don't think so. And killed Kendra. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Catherine Powers, please don't sue me. Yeah, we didn't uh, like Emancipation, but she did really well with Thor's hammer and then back again for Thor's chariot. So, yeah. I mean, these are good episodes. She needs to do a few more episodes to fully redeem herself, I think, for Emancipation, because <laughs> that was real bad. But, uh... yeah. oh, goodness. But it did also find interesting that, um, Garen was like, this is where Kendra lived with her family. I'm like, when you were here a year ago, Kendra didn't have a family. She lived alone in the woods. Maybe she had so... a young family. Maybe she just got married and just had a baby and now they're dead. Yeah, that's really depressing. That, that like makes really it depressing. more depressing. Because like, she was alone before and apparently she found a family. and Now they're all dead. Of... Yeah. Sorry, Kendra. <laughs> yeah. 
Kendra deserved better. Kendra did deserve better. Hashtag justice for Kendra. Seriously. Did you like Harrower? Do I remember who that is? The gold. You got to see him. He did not leave much of an impression. He was bald and he had gold earrings on. And I was like, I was like, you know, that is a look and I respect it. Hey, look, I'm all for gold earrings. (laughs) I think Tilt needs to accessorize more. He definitely didn't have as much gold on as Apophis. No, but that's that's a really high bar to clear. (laughs) Yeah. I also don't think he would have pulled it off as well. Apophis like really pulls off that gold. Like Apophis wears gold lipstick. Like this yeah. is that it's that level of drama king. So yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah. It's hard to top Apophis, but Harrower is very sneery. And I feel like he can pull off the earrings, but that's about it. Can't pull off that attitude. <laughs> I mean, he is at least like intelligent enough to get the hell off that planet when the Asgard showed up and he like went through the Stargate. Yeah. He's like, oh well he's sneery. He's not stupid. Yeah. <laughs> he lost he just lost a whole bunch of resources and a whole bunch of defa, but at least he got out of preservation. Yeah. He's got that going for him. I did think it was really sweet that um Tilk is respected by the Asgard and so like he's welcome on this planet even after the new Thor's hammer is is built mm-hmm. and like he seemed to be like genuinely moved by that you know that he's being respected by this great race I like that like yeah and I like Tilk I don't get any kind of funny feelings when he's around but <laughs> but I like him yeah I think he's sweet yeah so I learned today that Christopher Judge's speech at the Game Awards is apparently the longest in the history yeah. of the show. Yeah. Um, I only learned this because Stargate was for some reason trending on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I, he has a really good line in this show that <laughs> I, so my parents are visiting and they were watching with me and this line went by and my mom was in the kitchen and then she comes back and then she's like, wait, did I miss the line? <laughs> <laughs> so I had to rewind it. And it was when he said, things will not calm down. They will, in fact, calm up. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is a great line. <laughs> I'm going to start working calm up into my uh, into my repertoire. Things are calming up. <laughs> so calm down. No, I'm going to calm up. Yes. I can totally hear you saying that. <laughs> oh, I'm going <laughs> to. And then you have to explain where you got that from. No, I do not. I will take credit for it. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Well, I'll call you out for it when I come visit next. (sighs) She stole that from Teal'c. And they're going to be like, who's Teal'c? And I'll be like, nobody. (laughs) Don't worry about it. Or I guess more specifically from Catherine Powers. (gasps) Well, I deserve it. I had to watch Emancipation. (laughs) She kind of had it coming. Oh dear. <laughs> I did think it was really funny that Harrow's Jaffa were like using the hunting horns to call out their different strategic movements. And Teal'c was like, yeah, this is what they're gonna do. They're gonna they're gonna come this way and then they're gonna come this way. <laughs> we love we love it. Not competent. The, the strategic. We love we love strategic teal. Yeah. Yeah, I just it's just so funny to me that it, it doesn't occur to the Jaffa that they can't use their hunting horn necessarily if they're going up against other Jaffa. Surely they have like other ways of communicating. I find it interesting that like, do we know how long they've been here? I mean, I would assume a few weeks based on how far they got with the building. Okay. Okay, never mind then. Why? Because I was like thinking, I mean, I know they're all over the place and they don't all live together, but it makes me like, I'm surprised that like different clusters, different units, whatever, didn't like evolve their own language or own communication, own signals for like just such an opportunity. Like just in case they are up against somebody who's familiar with their, with their horns and their calls and stuff like that. Yeah. 
like you would know. think, but yeah, it would have made less sense if they had been like, like the gold, like they had been there for centuries. It would have made mm. even less sense, but it's only been a few weeks. Yeah. And I mean, I even Teal'c knowing the hunting calls didn't prevent them from being surrounded. So. Yeah. That's very true. I mean, they didn't get personally captured, so there's that. Yeah. But still. I think, though, like, in general, well, one thing I really liked about this episode was Thor's ship coming down out of the sky. Mm-hmm. And it, like, makes kind of, like, a storm cloud all the way around it. And it's, like, very dramatic when it comes down. And I think, like, when I originally watched the show, that was one of the first, like, wow moments that I had because I found that to be more impressive than anything we had really seen up to that point. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's maybe not as impactful now with all of the incredible CGI that you see on like modern sci-fi shows. Like at the time, that was yeah, like for the time. a big deal. Yeah. What I really liked was when you find the when she points at the building that they're building and it looks like they're inflating it. well well it's like an entire huge section of the side of the pyramid is being moved up and like from our perspective it looks like it's moving slowly but from where it actually is it was probably being raised incredibly fast well it it looked fast like it looked like it was just going like whoop and like being which is why i thought it looked like it was being inflated because you would expect like a chunk of the pyramid to like move slowly yeah but the sheer speed of it i'm like they okay that's uh it's a bouncy pyramid is what it is <laughs> well they had bouncy trees too so <laughs> everything on this planet is bouncy because like every time there was like a, a fallen log that they like stepped on to jump over it was bouncy every time <laughs> i was like okay <laughs> i wonder why well i mean because yeah because you it's gonna be like it's not going to hurt your joints and your feet right. as much to like jump on rubber as it is on like actual trees. That makes sense. Yeah. It's just something I hadn't really noticed before. I'm like, gee, that tree sure is bouncy. <laughs> I did find it strange how when Esther one went through the Stargate for this mission, they knew that gold were on the planet yet. They only sent SG one and only, like, enough ordnance that they could carry in, like, two backpacks. I'm like, like, eh, they're fine. I feel like you should have sent multiple teams and, like, an entire mouth full of ordnance. You know? They're like, they're fine. They'll figure it out. They're tough, <laughs> the four of them. Like, I mean, it's one thing taking that amount of gear into Apophis's ship in the season one closer season two opener because they had a limited amount of time and they were the only ones who could go. And it was like a one shot deal, but this time they know in advance that they're gold there and they're going to be outnumbered. And yet they don't really go that prepared. Do you think maybe they underestimated it? Like how many people were going to be there? Maybe. Like they figured it was because every time they go through, that's how much stuff they take with them. Yeah. So do well, think- no, they did have extra. Like Sam had a backpack full of stuff, and Teal had a backpack full of stuff. Right. So- but like, they don't take an absurd amount of stuff every time they go, mm-hmm. and they usually deal with some kind of life or death threat. So they probably figured just taking a little bit of extra equipment was probably enough to deal with it because they like underestimated it. Yeah. I'm wondering if that's what happened. Yeah. I guess I just find it to be an interesting contrast with like the very first episode. When they're going to Chulak and they send two teams. Granted, I think the teams are made up of three people instead of four, but so that's they two still less like, people. But they still acknowledge that they need more than one team of people to go through. And they brought way more like C4 and stuff. And they brought like that huge um like rocket launcher thing. Budget cuts <laughs> at the at the SGC. I guess. They just don't have the money for rocket launchers anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it wasn't necessarily a problem. I mean, obviously they figured it out, but it just made me think that they were kind of underprepared. Oh, they're 100% underprepared. 
Yeah. And, like, still also not necessarily learning lessons about the personal shields. Because Harrower had a personal shield just like Apophis did. And they know that they can throw something slowly through it. And yet none of them, like Jack and Daniel, or Jack and Teal, didn't try to throw a knife at him. Like, Nobody I don't understand. ever accused them of being smart. <laughs> I feel like in in these fight or flight moments, they just kind of default to rah, and then it's like you know better, yeah. but yeah, you're not thinking straight. You're not thinking smart. Yeah, they yeah, they have a hard time remembering lessons from the past in these like heated moments. It's almost like their stories are being written by different people. Oh, hmm. <laughs> but that can't be it. <laughs> no, of course not. Do you have any further thoughts about this episode? Does the lady come back? Garwin? Yeah. I don't think so. That's a shame. I liked her. Yeah. I mean, we definitely see the Asgard quite a lot <coughs> coming up, but I don't think we return to Samaria That's that I remember. Yeah. She is really cool. Yeah. So it's nice that we had her. It was too bad that we didn't have Kendra. We didn't have any, like, private conversations between two women but did you notice any issues with these two episodes i mean daniel but we had the bodily autonomy that was a problem other than that though i feel like they were mostly okay there were no big issues yeah and you think they hold up okay for a modern audience i think so especially the adventure one (laughs) (laughs) i think daniel's whole thing is a little iffy <laughs> especially when it comes to male bodily autonomy again yeah besides that i think they hold up well gotcha any other final thoughts we haven't discussed yet nope okay so next week we're going to be talking about episodes seven and eight message in a bottle and family and you're welcome to watch along with us it's time for your next quote to see if you can guess who says it and why are you ready We've brought things back from all over the galaxy. One of them's finally snapped us in the ass. That is 100% Jack talking. (laughs) Like 100% that's Jack talking. They're at the SGC. Something's gone wrong with something that is already there. It's not a new thing. Not a new thing. It's not a new thing. It's maybe they brought a new thing that is setting off the old thing. I'm not 100% sure about that, but I'm 100% sure Jack is talking. <laughs> well, we'll find out. <laughs> yeah, like, for a second, I was like, maybe it's teal because, like, I've never heard the phrase snapped us in the ass. <laughs> I'm like, did teal get it wrong? But I'm like, it's not really his thing, so it's Jack. How much are you willing to bet on that? I'm not. I don't have enough money to bank bets on stuff. <laughs> okay well that's it for today if you like what you heard today if you would please rate and leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast we would really appreciate it if you want to talk to us about stargate you can find us on our podcast twitter and tumblr page at wormhole waffles you can find me on twitter and tumblr at chelsea fairless arzu we're going to find you so as of recording um twitter is so broken i got logged out on my desktop so i don't actually know if twitter is going to be around by the time you hear this if it is, I'm on Twitter at Arzu Amin. I'm on Tumblr at RZD2. I'm everywhere else at RZD2. So Hive, if that ever comes back, Tumblr, <laughs> Instagram, that's a great place to find me. The Geeky Waffle, we are for now on Twitter at geeky underscore waffle. We are the Geeky Waffle everywhere else. So Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Tumblr. And we are at the website, thegeekywaffle.com. And we are also on Patreon, patreon.com slash geekywaffle. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you on the other side of the event horizon.